Welcome to Health Tech Hustle. We exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story. With your host, Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Health Tech Hustle podcast. My name is Rodney Hu and today I'm joined by another special guest, Mr. Kenny Schumacher. And he is the founder of DelaSign. And this interview is going to be a little bit different because usually I interview healthcare entrepreneurs, CEOs and whatnot, but he's not in the healthcare industry. But I've done a lot of research on him and his company and really seen the value in what he has to offer, which is why I know that my audience will find value as well, which is why I invited him onto this podcast today. And so Kenny's the founder of DelaSign, which is a flat rate graphic design productized service that has grown to a remote team of over 50 people. In addition to DelaSign, Kenny has also had experience selling a business and investing in real estate. So there's a lot of valuable knowledge that I feel he can share with us. So I'm excited to have him on today. With that being said, Kenny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rodney. Happy to be here. Yeah, sure. So let's just get started. Why don't you give people a brief background of who you are and kind of how you got into this whole online game and ended up creating the company Delasun. Yeah, happy to share. So uh, funny enough, I did not plan on being an entrepreneur. Um, I graduated college in 2016, expecting to be an accountant. Actually, I graduated with uh, finance and accounting, double majors. And um, if you know anything about accountants or those in finance, they're not really entrepreneurial. It's more of a I guess if you could say anything about business, it's more of the safer routes of business. Um, you pretty much help businesses, but you're not really, you don't have that mindset of being an entrepreneur, which is, you know, starting your own business, um, having to come and go um, outside of the box to be an entrepreneur. Accounting is very inside the box and it's very different than account than uh, entrepreneurship. So um, I was not planning on doing this, but funny enough, I was lucky enough to intern at a public accounting firm. Um, and that accounting firm happened to be one that focused heavily on startups, um, entrepreneurs, uh, and that kind of business uh, category. So I got a lot of exposure to that. You know, I thought it was super cool. The ability to start your own business was not something that I had really considered too much until then. Um, also, I was blessed to have this uh, this internship because, um, yeah, I, I, it really taught me that I didn't want to do accounting. Uh, that's one of the blessings of that. Um, so during that time, I was focusing on you know a few business ideas that. I was kind of inspired to try out. Um, you know, I had no experience really. So anything that I tried wasn't really, you know, not wasn't going to be the next Facebook or anything, but I was trying different ideas. Um, one of them happened to do relatively pretty well. At the time, this was an Instagram marketing company or marketing service. Um, that was my kind of first intro into entrepreneurship. Um, I was doing relatively pretty well. Um, by the end of my senior year, we had three employees on the team. Um, they were all actually outsourced, um, living overseas because I was a college student and didn't have too much fun. So, um, in order to grow the business, I realized that I had to expand it somehow and that meant hiring people, but I also didn't have much funds at that time either. So that's how I, you know, solved that problem by going overseas. But anyways, uh, the business was doing pretty well. Um, it grew to about, you know, like I mentioned, three people, we had about, uh, 600 paying customers for our service at the time, which was all on a monthly recurring basis. 
Um, it got to the point where I actually was only spending maybe about three hours per month on the business because of my delegation. And, you know, I was in a fortunate position. So um, I decided that, you know, even though I was fortunate enough to have a job waiting for me uh, with the accounting job um, after I graduated, I decided that I would rather take the risk of being an entrepreneur, um, take the risk of doing my own thing. Because uh, from my perspective, uh, while this wasn't really a safe option, it was uh, something that I thought would be valuable over time. Uh, when, you know, whatever field you do decide to do, uh, you'll gain valuable skills from that. And, you know, if I chose accounting, I'd gain valuable accounting skills that I could then use to further my career in accounting. But since that wasn't what I wanted to do, and since I wanted to focus on entrepreneurship, I realized that, you know, even if, you know, I end up failing as an entrepreneur, um, I would get lots of valuable experience by doing this. I um, mean, you know, I didn't have a family. I didn't have, you know, any one I had to support. Um, so it was probably the best time to do that for me since I was young and I could afford to make those risks. So, you know, that's what I did. I ended up doing that. Um, as I mentioned, the business did relatively pretty well. I was able to sell it in 2018. Um, and then after that, I was focusing on my current business, which is Dell Design. Um, that's a graphic design service in which we provide you with a dedicated graphic designer for a flat rate. Um, so you can kind of think of it like you're sharing a, a designer um, on a part-time basis with other people. Um, so, you know, if, if you're not a designer yourself or, uh, you know, you need design help for your business, um, it's a great way to get design help without actually having to pay or hire a full-time designer. I don't have to onboard them, don't have to, you know, worry about all the employment forms and all that kind of stuff. So it's a very simple way to get your design needs created. Uh, I started off with just, uh, you know, helping my friends with this kind of service, not officially as Dell Design, but as a kind of service like this. Um, I had worked with lots of designers on my own, for my own ventures. And, you know, some of my friends in the entrepreneurial community, they are kind of jealous. They wanted to get uh, my designers because they saw the work that they were doing. They liked it a lot. And they, you know, they really wanted that help. Um, so I figured, you know, this could be a potentially good business idea. These people didn't really need to have a full-time designer, but they needed design help. Um, they tried places like Fiverr or, you know, Freelancer. And they, uh, you know, not to say that you can't get a good experience, but they just didn't get a good experience on those platforms. Uh, they wanted someone more reliable, more senior. And, you know, I figured that, you know, I was relatively pretty good at hiring at that point. I could uh, find good designers. I could train them. I could manage them well on my team. And uh, that's kind of how Bellazine came to be. Uh, you know, that's it's been about two years now, and we've now grown to about 50 plus people on our team. It's kind of closer to 60 now, actually, but it's uh, growing relatively pretty rapidly. I'm happy to say it's doing relatively pretty well. Um, and that's my main focus right now. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, Ronnie, I'm also doing other things too. Uh, always working on various side projects, uh, you know, different like SaaS business ideas and projects I'm working on. Uh, you know, one of them is also real estate too. Um, investing in out-of-state properties, uh, you know, because I live in California, and it's uh, if you know anything about real estate in California, one, it's very expensive, and uh, two, unless you're backing on the, uh, you know, the appreciation value, you're not going to cash flow positive. You're going to, you know, if you bought a house today with a mortgage, you'd be paying more for your mortgage than you would from the rent collection. So it's, uh, you know, it's definitely lucrative, but it's uh, you're not going to positive cash flow every month at least. So I wanted something that would be a positive cash flow as well as appreciate. So I decided to invest uh, out of state. I'm actually in Alabama, interestingly enough. Um, and I've been doing it for about two years now. And it's, it's going really well, actually. So, you know, it's uh, uh, another thing that I enjoy is, you know, just learning and uh, investing and creating things that could potentially be uh, passive. So uh, whether it be through investments or through my own business, um, I want to find a way to make things passive and 
ideally, you know, retire on, you know, lots of passive cash flow. Uh, that's, that's been my goal. And that's what I'm striving to achieve. And I'm, you know, that's, that's what I'm focusing on now with Design and my other projects. Okay, interesting. Man, that's interesting journey you have so far. Just really the journey of an entrepreneur and just trying to figure out how you can solve a problem, testing different ideas, trying to figure out what you're good at um, and what the market actually wants. And then just optimizing what you're putting out based off the feedback that you guys, that you receive. And one thing led to another and you ended up creating Delasign and offering graphic design services to other companies. And so what can people expect if they were, if they're looking for a graphic designer and they want to go through Dell design, like what's that process like? And how does that compare to, like you said, they go to Fiverr and other things, but like, how is Dell design ultimately more valuable? Yeah. So there's lots of great options. I wouldn't necessarily say in all cases that Dell design is more valuable. I mean, there's obviously Fiverr and those places are doing really well. And, you know, there's lots of people that get lots of value from them. Um, so I don't want to bash them or anything. You know, there's, they're great if you want a short-term project or if you want someone that, uh, you know, maybe is more on the, the lower price end. Uh, there are definitely great options for that. Um, but what I like about Delazine, what our clients like about Delazine is that um, if you want someone who maybe is more senior, uh, someone who has been vetted, you know, by a professional team, someone who you can be confident will be good for your projects, um, Delazine is a pretty good option for that. Um, it's it's for businesses that have ongoing design needs. So um, if you only have, you know, if you only need a flyer, you know, and that's pretty much all you need, or you only need a small project, uh, you're better off using those one of services like Fiverr or Freelancer. Um, but if you, you know, if you want someone that can join, effectively can join your team, and, you know, can continually help you can grow with your business, uh, who can, you know, understand your business and continue to provide you with all your design needs. Uh, for the long-term future, then Delazine is a good option for that. Uh, so it's it's pretty simple. Uh, when you sign up for Delazine, you get to uh, input information about your business, um, what you need, things like that. Our design team receives that, and then using that information, we match you with one of our designers who you know once again are all vetted, um, all you know pretty talented designers. Um, and then from there, once you sign up, within 24 hours, we match you with your designer, and then they're able to start working with you directly. So. You know, just like they're a part of your team, you can work with them through Slack if you want to. We have our own platform which you communicate with them. Um, you submit your projects to them. They receive them. If they have any questions, they'll ask you. And then, you know, from there, they work on your project, provide it to you. If there's revisions, that can be done, of course. Uh, so it's a relatively pretty simple process. It's, you know, it's just as if you had your own designer on your team. The only, you know, the benefit is that you don't have to worry about hiring you know, finding a designer yourself, you may not know what exactly to look for if you're not a designer yourself. So, you know, we take care of all that. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about your designer scamming you or, you know, being sketchy or anything like that, which, you know, it's it's not necessarily super likely, but that is definitely a possibility for those, uh, those other platforms that don't vet their designers. I mean, all our designers are employed by Dell Design, so they don't necessarily have to be, you know, stressed out about, you know, the next job or anything like that. They have uh, you know, continued employment with our company. So it's it's kind of a different uh, perspective environment, I guess you could say, the designers that are on our company compared to the designers that maybe are on, on those other freelance platforms in which, you know, it's not always stable for them. So, you know, it's kind of like a different perspective they would have, I guess you could say. Okay, yeah, that makes 100% sense. And 
what I really like as I was doing research on this is because a lot of the people that I talk to and a lot of my audience is healthcare related companies where they are healthcare companies and startups. And one thing about the healthcare industry is that it's super complex. And so I'm always thinking, how can we simplify the messaging? How can we simplify these complex ideas and concepts that these healthcare companies are talking about? And one of the ways to do that is by creating engaging content and instead of just having text or just a plain like blog post or something, you guys create everything really. You guys even create not just like infographics or um, video content. Like you guys literally do, literally do everything related to graphic design. And so I think that's a super powerful way because like a lot of healthcare companies, they don't really understand like content marketing <laughs> or creating content to like share their message. A lot of the information that they put out is really confusing. So I like that DellaSign can kind of come in and just create content that people can put out at scale as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great point. I mean, everyone is good at, you know, a few things or maybe many things, but no one's really great at everything. Um, so, you know, a lot of people I'd imagine that are in this kind of healthcare business, maybe I'm sure they're great at, you know, being technical, they're great at what they do, um, but maybe they don't have much experience on the marketing side of things. Um, so, you know, just from my own, uh, my own experience, I guess, I've seen lots of people that are really great at certain things. Uh, they're great at building apps, for example, or they're great at, you know, creating awesome software. But when it comes to actually marketing it, they kind of fall flat on that because maybe because they're doing well already, they don't really think they have to do this. Or maybe because they're so focused on what they do, they don't really think about other things necessarily. Um, but, you know, if you think about it from a marketing perspective, um, you know, most of your clients, most of your customers, they're probably not as technical as you. Um, so I wouldn't want to say, you know, dumbing it down or anything, but if you want to make it, you want to present it in a way in which others can resonate with that. And a great way to do that is through, you know, presenting it through awesome designs. Um, so, you know, explainer videos are a great way of making things simplified as well as catchy. Uh, you know, great social media posts can do that as well. Um, infographics. So uh, it's it's not just about what you have, but it's also about how you present it too. Um, and that's, you know, it, it's a great way to really uh, grow your business by presenting your business in a way that others can understand it better or can be inspired by it or can, you know, realize that, oh, this would be a great solution for me. So, um, you know, there's, I definitely get that it's, it's difficult if you're a founder and you don't have experience doing these kinds of things because, you know, it can be overwhelming to try to hire someone to try to find someone to do something. If if you don't know even what to look for, it's it's very difficult. So I definitely get that struggle. Yeah, for sure. And like a, another thing that I noticed with like a lot of healthcare companies is, or just entrepreneurship and growing a business in general is like, you want to be able to help people save time or save money. And you you essentially do that with through DelaSign by handling the whole hiring, the vetting, the onboarding process, the quality assurance, like that's all stuff that they don't even have to worry about. And they can just go to you guys and you guys already have that figured out. And you have a set price. So they already know what they're getting into. Because I know when companies are trying to invest into their marketing or invest into like an online strategy, they're the first thing they're thinking about is like, what's the ROI? How much are we spending? But you guys make it crystal clear to them, like the value that you guys offer, whether it's saving time or saving money and having a service like yours, where it's a, 
a fixed price compared to hiring somebody and that going through a way more expensive process, you know? <laughs> so I definitely see yeah. the value that you guys give there. And so the name Delasign is not just graphic design, but the first part of that is all about delegation, which is kind of what I want to segue into next is the power of delegation and kind of how you use that in your own business and the importance of being able to delegate tasks and responsibilities. Yeah, I love to talk about that. You know, that's, uh, personally, I find that to be my uh, biggest strength um, as an entrepreneur. So, um, you know, everyone, like I mentioned already, is good at, you know, a few things. And there's, within a business, there's only a few things that only you can do, most likely. But in reality, I think a lot of founders, lots of, you know, lots of business people, they spend time on things that others can do. Uh, and I don't mean just because, you know, it's simple, but I mean, because like there's things that others can do for you so that you can then focus your additional time that's relieved from that task on other things that only you can do. So uh, for example, for me, like there's uh, very few things I would say that only I can do for Dell Design, if, if even any. So my goal is to always prioritize thinking about what is it that I'm doing right now that others can do and if there are those things I found, how can I get others to do them for me? So, uh, you know, just going back a little bit. So when I, when I started Dell design originally, um, it was me and my co-founder who was in charge of the, of the design aspect of things. And we had a few other designers on the team as well, but it was, you know, it was like less than 10 people at that time. Um, so when I started, um, it was just me that was doing all the sales, all of the marketing efforts, all of the customer service. So, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely important for a founder to focus on initially, I think, because, um, when you work with sales, you work with, uh, customer support, you really do understand how, uh, your clients, um, think of your service, what people think of your service. So it's a great way to get feedback, it's a great way to understand exactly what you're doing well, what you're not doing well. So I definitely think that's important initially, but beyond a certain point, it takes a lot of your time to have to respond to client emails, to have to you know, try to get new clients and all that kind of stuff. So it is distracting from the goal of growing your business. So, uh, you know, I potentially could have forever just done customer service, for example. Um, but the more time I spent on that, the less time I spent on growing my business. So, um, you know, that's kind of my framework of how can I improve the business by only doing things that only I can do and everything else I delegate. So with that in mind, I, you know, I hired, we now have, uh, you know, four people on our customer support team that, are able to handle pretty much 24 seven client support. Um, you know, initially it's difficult as a founder because uh, you know, you're probably awesome at whatever it is you're doing. Um, so you think that if I hire someone else, you know, they're realistically not going to be as good as me at whatever it is I'm doing. So that's kind of a, a difficult hurdle or a roadblock I'd say to get over. And, you know, in reality, it's probably true. Like it's, they're not going to do as good as you, but I would say even if they're only doing, you know, 80% as good as you, um, it's still worthwhile because now you have, let's say like 10 more hours every week that you can now focus on something else. Like I'm sure that, you know, the founder of, you know, McDonald's, for example, like he could have been the one that's doing all the burger flipping and all the making of the, the sandwiches and all that. He's probably awesome at doing that, you know, but if he focused all his time on doing that, it's, you know, the business will never grow to what it is today. Um, but instead, you know, he probably hired someone that was maybe only, you know, 50% as effective as him at what, yeah, burger flipping or whatever, right? Or at customer service or making orders. Um, 
And because of that, you know, maybe some customers got turned off on McDonald's. That's okay. You know, maybe some people don't like the service and decide not to go back. You know, that's okay. But, uh, you know, there are some uh, negatives, of course. But overall, you know, that resulted in him now being able to focus on growing the business, you know, expanding into other locations and hiring more people. Um, so, you know, maybe the overall service, you know, dwindled by a few percentage points. But overall, the benefit is, you know, a million percent improvement because now the business can grow. So that's kind of how I see things too. Um, I always look for ways that which I can uh, find more people to help whatever task I have. And then once that task is delegated, say customer service, I now have more time to focus on sales. Um, and then, you know, maybe I get to a point in which um, the business has grown enough. I can now focus on other activities and I want to delegate sales. So I find someone that can do sales for me. Again, they may not be as good as me, but I'm able to offload that and that, you know, extra 10 hours per week I now have that can now be used to further grow the business. Um, whereas if I didn't have those 10 hours, I couldn't grow the business to that extent. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my framework in my mind of how I approach these things. And, you know, so far it's working pretty well. Um, you know, like I mentioned in my previous business, I was able to get to a point in which I was only spending about three hours uh, per month on my business because of delegation. Um, you know, uh, they're, they're the people that I delegate to, they're, you know, great people. They're really good at what they do. Um, but of course, you know, it was difficult at first because, you know, I was more experienced than them. I had more, uh, I could do things better than they can. Um, so it was difficult handing off the reins to someone else, but, um, it's, it's definitely required to do that if you want to grow your business. Dang. Okay. There's a lot of gold nuggets right there, man. And a lot of the stuff you say makes sense. And I know a lot of other entrepreneurs, really resonate with that because when they're starting a business and especially when you're in that growth phase a lot of people wear many hats right because they they started the business that's their baby they're growing it from the ground up and so they have their hand dipped in pretty much every process of growing that business and one thing that I know people struggle with like you mentioned yourself is kind of just relinquishing control because you feel like you're the only one who knows how to do it but essentially, you're really not. If you know how to communicate your vision and you find the right people, and it's really one thing that people struggle with when it comes to delegating is like what to delegate, like when should you delegate and who should you delegate to? And so like what sort of tips would you have for people who are kind of at that point where it's like I may have a small team or like I'm at that point where I can't grow anymore based off of my time, like what should they be looking for and what should they focus on first when it, they're trying to like delegate some tasks and responsibilities? Yeah, I think that as soon as you can, that's the answer. Um, always as soon as you can. Um, so, I mean, you may be in a situation in which you can't afford to hire someone else to do that. And in which case it may be impossible unless you can get funding or something else to delegate. So I, I'd say outside of those situations, you should hire as soon as possible to delegate. Um, I'd always look for the things that are probably the most uh, cost effective in the sense that um, time cost effective. So in the sense that if uh, if I spend like 20 hours per week on this one activity, I would want to focus my attention on delegating that task. Um, it, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, in order to do that, you may have to spend an, an additional 10 hours per week to just find someone to train them to do all that. So it it's kind of like counterintuitive in that sense that you'd have to spend more time initially. But the idea is that once you get someone else, um, they would take that 20 hour per week activity, take it off your plate. You now have more time. 
that's that's personally what I would do. Another way that could maybe help um, other people that are maybe more new to delegating is to try try to delegate the the simplest things initially. So maybe this only takes you like five hours per week, for example, to do this one activity. Uh, maybe it's very simple, and maybe it wouldn't make a huge difference to you if you delegated it. But um, it's a good way to kind of get yourself into delegating. Um, so you know, you may be thinking, oh well, you know, it's I can't hire someone that would want to do something for five hours per week for me. And like, maybe, maybe that's true, but realistically, probably it's not true. Um, you can hire people overseas that are more than happy to do lots of activities that you probably think wouldn't be uh, easy to delegate to. So things like uh, data entry, maybe, like maybe you uh, have some strategy for, you know, finding new clients that you personally spend, you know, five hours on. Maybe it's a very simple search you do. You have some filters, you do some things and, you know, things that you think that maybe, well, it's, it's kind of too simple. Maybe no one's going to want to do that. Like I can't hire someone to do that. Well, realistically, probably you can. Um, but I guess the other main concern people have is like, well, you know, I, I only have, you know, X amount of budget. Like maybe I can afford someone part-time, but like, I'm afraid that they're not going to do a good job if I don't pay them too well. And, you know, that's definitely a valid concern to have. Um, but you know, things are a lot different in the U S than they are overseas. Um, so, you know, your dollar can go, a lot farther overseas than it can in the US. So, you know, maybe you think that paying X per hour is, you know, it's too cheap to get someone good. But in reality, you know, X per hour can be a very, very high amount in somewhere else um, outside of the US. Um, so there's definitely lots of ways that you can, uh, you know, get your tasks taken care of while also supporting someone, uh, you know, really well, actually, overseas. So, um, yeah, I don't want to get too much into this, maybe because it may take a long time. But like, I, I think a lot of people have uh, some sort of like uh, like negative thoughts about hiring people overseas because they think, oh, like I'm exploiting someone, or like I don't want to exploit someone. I don't, you know, the classic idea is like, you know, Nike is like exploiting their their workers and things like that. And you know, I think you know, in a lot of cases, that is true. It's it's bad to exploit people. Of course, it's bad to people and to you know make their lives worse. You know, just for to make your own life better. I think that's definitely very true. Um, but I think maybe people think too much about that because of the bad examples. And they don't realize that there's actually lots of good examples too, because, uh, you know, if you hire someone overseas, um, in their local economy, they're probably not making too much money because the local jobs aren't paying too well, at least in regards to the US. So you can come in, you can pay them a rate that's much higher than, you know, what they would otherwise receive, you can help them support their entire family, you can help them get new skills, um, while also saving your business lots of money too. So even paying like half the rate you would pay someone in the US uh, to someone overseas, that could be, you know, even like three times what they would expect normally in their own local economy. So you can help them uh, in ways that, you know, they would otherwise not have the opportunity to get. They can help their family. They can improve themselves. Um, so I think, you know, I think that hiring overseas is actually really great. Um, you know, because it helps them a lot, it helps you a lot as a business. Um, you know, lots of people probably in the U.S. couldn't even afford to hire someone else if they were to only be forced to hire within the U.S. Um, so this allows them to hire someone else, allows them to grow their own business. And then, you know, maybe over time, their business will grow to the point at which they can hire to pay local rates while also helping themselves, their family and all of that. So ultimately, I think that everyone wins when you do hire overseas and when you do delegate. Um, so. You know, I, I definitely don't think that you should let that block you from trying to delegate. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned some good points. And I think that in order for 
people and businesses to really grow, they need to overcome those mental barriers and roadblocks that really hold them back. And you mentioned like some people may not agree with hiring people overseas because they think immediately they go back to thinking about Nike and how they exploit overseas sort of people, you know, but it's really comes down to ethics because at the end of the day, it's a two-way partnership. And if you as a business owner or the entrepreneur aren't taking advantage of people, (laughs) then on the other end, they know they're not being taken advantage of. And on just from a personal standpoint, like I delegate some stuff to people overseas as well. And it's way cheaper for me just because of my current situation. But I have a great relationship with that person. And I know the impact that our relationship is having on him and his family. Like, for example, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but they were able to this person that my VA that I delegate to was living in a two bedroom home with like eight people. And since I brought them on board and paid them a cheaper wage than what I could find somebody in the U S like they were able to save up for a couple months and get their own apartment, which is like helps improve their quality of life. And that's stuff that we don't really understand. And we don't really, yeah, we just don't understand. We kind of take that part for granted. But once you really connect with people, at the end of the day, it's all, it's all a people business. And I think that you understand that really well. And that's what, a lot of the stuff you're saying really resonates with me. Um, but another question I had regarding like this whole delegation is not like when to delegate, but how much do you need to know about a specific topic or subject before you feel comfortable delegating it. For example, like in graphic design, like do I need to be an expert graphic design artist before I can feel comfortable delegating graphic design to somebody, you know? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I think there's like two main approaches to this. Um, the first main approach is delegate everything you can as soon as you can. And even if you're not expert on it, just delegate it, see what works, what doesn't work. But the second um, approach that I think I personally have subscribed to um, is that, you know, Maybe it's not the fastest way to do things and maybe there's better ways of doing this, but personally, I've always started by doing pretty much everything that I could do myself at least. So I'm not a developer. I don't have any coding knowledge, so I can't really, I can't, I don't, I, mean, I don't know coding, so I can't really like become an expert at coding and then delegate that to someone else. So I, I was forced to then, um, you know, find someone that could do that for me. But for things that, uh, you know, being a business kind of person, the things that I could do myself, so marketing customer service, you know, sales, things like that. Um, those are things that I would initially want to focus a little bit of time and effort on uh, myself so that, you know, I can kind of understand how that works for my business. And then using that information, I can then uh, use that to know what I want to look for in someone that I hire. Um, so I can make processes, I can make procedures and systems that I can then easily pass on to someone else. So for things that have the potential to understand well, like, you know, customer service and uh, sales and marketing, things like that. I personally would want to spend some time on that first. So I know what to expect and then delegate that. Um, but again, you know, since I'm not a developer, I couldn't do development myself. Um, so there's no way that I could learn that at least reasonably, right? I, there's no way I could do that. Um, at least that would be a good investment of my time. So I would then hire someone to do that for me. So that kind of falls in line for me with graphic design. So I'm not a designer. I'm not uh, you know, I don't have that kind of skill set myself. So, you know, while I could spend years to like learn how to do that, um, it wouldn't be a good use of my time to do that. Um, so this is one of those areas in which I personally would not, you know, 
spend the time to learn how to do it, to spend the time to understand how to do that before delegating it. I would instead hire people to do this for me. Um, you know, worst case, it wouldn't work out. Uh, you know, I would hire someone and they wouldn't work out for me. And, uh, you know, that, that's okay because I could then do that process again and keep on continuing with it. So uh, for me, really the most important thing is to, uh, you know, for things that I can do myself or that I have the capacity to learn myself, I would do those things initially, uh, create processes in place, and then delegate those processes to someone else that I would hire. But for things like, you know, graphic design for development, things that I couldn't do myself personally ever, um, these are things that I would always try to delegate. Uh, the reason being is that, you know, of course I could try to learn myself, but that wouldn't be practical. And, you know, worst case, I'd hire someone that wouldn't be a great fit for me. I would learn more about what I wanted from that process. And then I could use that information to then hire someone that would be a better fit for me in the future. So it's, you know, I guess a lot of entrepreneurship is a learning game. Like realistically, you probably won't have many teachers that are directly helping you. Um, so you have to do things, you have to fail a little bit. And then from there, you'll be in a position that you can then succeed the next time. So again, I don't really want to plug Dell Design too much or anything, but one good thing about Dell Design is that, you know, all of our designers are vetted and that we kind of handle the entire process for you. So, you know, we, we want to help you delegate. So um, if you tell us what you want, what you need, we'll use that information to then match you with a designer that can help you with whatever it is you need. Um, so, you know, compared to maybe a more traditional approach of finding freelancers, you have to already know exactly what you need and exactly how to find that person you need. You'd have to then interview people. But, you know, again, if you don't know what you need, it's hard to interview people for that because it's it's difficult without that knowledge to really find someone that's a good fit for you. You know, everyone's going to want to see the great fit for you because they want to get your money. Um, but it's, it's a little different situation with us because, uh, we, you know, we have many designers on our team that are specialized in different areas. We can then get the general information of what you have, what you're looking for, and then use that to match you with your own designer. So um, I, I personally think that's the ideal situation for delegating because even if you're not an expert in design, we can help you um, to find a person that would be perfect for your needs, um, even without you knowing exactly what you want. So to me, that's kind of like the ideal situation really for delegating. Okay, that's interesting. You mentioned like the idea of like business processes and systems. And so like when you like use words like that, like to me, I think of like automation. And so is delegation and automation, do they kind of go hand in hand or do you keep it separate? Cause I figured, I feel like delegation is more like people and automation is more like software and tech, but what, what I'm curious on what your thoughts are between the two. Yeah, that's, that's a good distinction to make. I think, yeah, generally people would think automation as being, you know, things like, you know, your Zapier integrations or your, you know, APIs you're using or things that will automate things through software or things like that. Whereas, you know, people think delegation of thinking like, oh, you know, I'm going to hire a VA to help me do, you know, X activity. So I think that's how people look at it. That's, you know, I think that's, I think that is how it is really. But the way that I see it too, um, in tandem with that is that um, everything really is under delegation. So whether it be, you know, making a new integration that allows you to save, you know, an hour every day on some simple task you do, or whether it be hiring a virtual assistant to do that task for you, it's all really the same thing. It's all delegation. You're no longer doing that activity. You have more time now to focus on other areas of your business. Uh, so whether it be through automation or whether it be through a person, um, it's it's all kind of delegation, really. Um, it, I guess at that point, it just comes down to the cost perspective. Uh, maybe, you know, you can 
have a, a simple API or a simple like integration that costs $10 a month to do that activity. Or maybe you can hire a virtual assistant that would do that activity for you know $1,000 per month. So in that case, unless you feel that the person is doing such a great job that it overshadows the integration, the automatic integration, uh, maybe it makes more sense from a cost perspective to focus on the software thing. And then, you know, assign your virtual assistant other things that software can't do. Um, but, you know, for you, the business owner, whether it be a person or a, or a robot, it's, you know, it's, it's all delegating in that sense. As long as you're not doing it, um, that's what really matters, whether it be automation or, or person. Awesome. Awesome, man. We've been covering a lot of like high level, high value <laughs> concepts, like not even just about content and like graphic design, but I feel like all this relates to just business and entrepreneurship in general. Um, but we're coming up towards the end of the episode, end of the podcast. And I like to end things on a little more, a lighter note with something I call the rapid fire round. So I'm just going to ask you a set of questions and you give me whatever answers you come up with. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite book of all time? So I, I, I love a lot of books really, uh, using audible for a while and love, you know, getting my monthly free token of books, but my favorite book that I've listened to recently through Audible would be The Surrender Experiment. Um, it's by uh, Mickey, <laughs> playing on his name right now, but first name is Mickey, or Michael Singer, sorry, he goes by Mickey. Um, but that's a great book for me. The reason why I love it so much is because it's resonated well with me. Um, the whole book in general is about some guy who, uh, you know, started off as not knowing what he wanted to do, but because he surrendered, to every opportunity he got and that allowed him to grow as, you know, eventually to become a, a CEO of a public company. Um, but that's been a great book for me because it resonated well with me. The idea of surrendering to saying yes to opportunities that arise to you. And even if you don't really want to do it, uh, avoiding saying no, because those opportunities can then become something greater for you, um, either just as a person or as a business owner or as, you know, as anything, whatever role you see yourself as. So, that's that's my favorite book as of recent that I've listened to. Oh, okay. Powerful. Um, number two, who is the most influential person in your life or career? Yeah, it's, it's a very difficult question. I guess lots of people have been influential for me, really. Um, you know, it started when I was in high school and college, really just kind of uh, like dabbling in entrepreneurship a little bit, really, but not knowing too much. But Cora in general, the website, it's uh, I've listened to a lot of people. I follow lots of different people. Uh, lots of entrepreneurs, lots of business owners. And, you know, I, I it's difficult for me to say one single person because so many people have really uh, influenced me, even without them really knowing it directly because I just kind of follow them. But uh, yeah, it's tough. Lots of different, you know, business people, lots of different just people in general have really influenced who I am today. But for entrepreneurship, I think a lot of that is due to the people I followed on Quora that are in entrepreneurship. Um, if I had to say one single person, uh, I'll give a shout out to my friend, uh, Rock. He's a friend I met in college and he's a, a really awesome guy. He uh, is an entrepreneur himself as well. He started off like selling uh, like sunglasses in college. I remember like his own brand. And like, to me being a kind of like a newbie in business, I didn't really think that it was possible to start your own business. I thought you just had to work, you know, and uh, be employed somewhere. So that kind of changed my whole like mindset that, oh, maybe you know, I don't have to be an employee. I can actually start my own business. That changed it from being like an impossible thing to like, okay, maybe if he's like selling sunglasses and has his own business, like maybe I can 
you know, do my own thing too. So that's kind of what really, I guess, opened the the valve for me. Dang, okay, nice. Um, number three, what is one goal you want to accomplish within the next year? Yeah, I'd love to, uh, within business, my goal would probably be to like double the business. So both in revenue as well as uh, people on the team. So, uh, you know, we've been growing relatively pretty rapidly from, you know, now we have close to 60 people on the team now. I'd love to double that to maybe, you know, double 50 would be 100 to maybe 120 people on the team by next year. Or So I guess end of 2021, um, that would be my goal. Uh, it's definitely a stretch goal, but potentially possible too. Awesome. All right. And then last one. I feel like you're a pretty young guy, but what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? Yeah, I guess uh, so. when I was 20, I was in college, I think, probably like junior year, I guess, maybe partially senior, but yeah, I think junior year. But anyways, uh, at that time, I was focused heavily on like schoolwork. Um, you know, of course, in hindsight, even if I flunked out of college, it wouldn't make no difference to, you know, my entrepreneurial journey. Um, so with that being the case, I would tell myself to focus less on schoolwork um, and more so on uh, like being more social, I would say. So I was pretty social my freshman year. Then I got pretty bad grades and I decided to focus more on like schoolwork. And I kind of went overboard, I would say, like I kind of like canceled all my social stuff really. And being kind of a shy person, it's pretty easy for me just to focus on like schoolwork and that kind of stuff um, and not on like social activities. So uh, you know, looking back, I did an awesome job on that freshman year of like being social and stuff, but I kind of tapered down on that to the point where I was only doing schoolwork and stuff like that to, you know, further like my career or whatever. Um, but in reality, I wish I had spent more time on like social things, not because, or not just because it was more fun and I'd enjoy myself more, but also because I think that's great to build relationships and to you know, meet more people and to learn from different people. And, you know, you, you can only learn so much from your schoolwork. And in my case, you know, what I learned was, you know, completely irrelevant to what I'm doing now. So um, I wish I instead focused more time on like, building relationships, making more friends, being more social, uh, doing more things that were maybe more fun. Um, but of course, that's kind of unique because for other people, you know, they probably would have to focus more on schoolwork if they want to be, you know, if they want to work somewhere or maybe in their own field, even as an entrepreneur what they were studying would be more relevant to them. So it's kind of a unique case for me, although I think that in general, you know, spending a healthy amount of time on or a healthier amount of time on friendship and social activities and all that is very important too. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's a great piece of advice for really just finding that balance. And I think that's really a good way to end today's episode. Um, so Kenny, I just want to thank you again for jumping on and sharing the work that you're doing over at Delasign and just your journey as an entrepreneur. Um, I felt like I learned a lot and it was very valuable insights to me. So I know my audience um, will definitely learn something from you. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you again for jumping yeah, on. Yeah, thank you too. Yeah, it's been um, awesome. But last thing before we leave, where can people learn more about you and your company and connect with you? Yes, I'd love to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. They're always open to make connections and like genuine connections with people on LinkedIn. I'm not just, you know, adding people on LinkedIn and never talking to them ever, but I'd love to connect on LinkedIn. Uh, maybe you can include a link to that um, on the on the podcast. But if you want to learn more about Delazine, you can find that at Delazine.com. Um, you know, I'm happy to connect on LinkedIn as well as, uh, you know, through email as well, Kenny at Delazine.com. So I'm always open to, you know, meeting more entrepreneurial people or helping out however I can. So 
uh, you know, even outside Dallas, I'd be happy to connect with people and to help as much as I can. So I would, I would love for that. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks again. I'll be sure to include all the links in the show notes, um, but that ends today's episode. Catch you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech Hustle with Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.